0: Welcome to the Covenant Life Center podcast. Our goal is that this message builds your faith and gives you hope. Enjoy the message. We're going to start with 2 Samuel chapter 11, uh, verse 1 through 5. 2 Samuel chapter 11 verse 1 through 5. And it reads this. It says, "In the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men." and the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah, but David remained in Jerusalem. One evening, David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof out of the palace. From the roof, he saw a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful, and David sent someone to find out about her. The man said, she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. When David sent messengers to get her, she came to him, and he slept with her. Now she was purifying herself from her monthly uncleanness. Then she went back home. The woman conceived and sent a word to David saying the three most scariest or joy-filled words a man could hear, I am pregnant. Turn to your neighbor and say the title for tonight's message, When My Spirit become stagnant when my spirits become stagnant let's pray tonight father I thank you for what you're doing in this house we give your spirit full reign full control we're just have walk into your presence with open minds and soft hearts we we want you Jesus we want you more than anything we we want you to saturate our souls we want you uh, to lead us into places that we can't on our own so father we dedicate tonight to you we dedicate tonight to your son and just let tonight go exactly according to your will father and help me communicate what you want to be communicated and father i just please help the cowboys and whatever you have whatever they did father forgive them this 25 year long drought forgive them father Uh, but with that being said we love you jesus and everybody said amen amen do you have any foodies in, foodies in the house, people love food? It's like, love it. Um, I am engaged to a foodie, a Haley over there. Uh, one of my favorite pastimes now, I uh, realize this, I just like to watch Haley eat. It's weird, because she is so happy when she starts eating after, like, a long day. She's like, oh, Caleb, i been waiting to eat this all day, and she's just so happy. So, one of my favorite things to do now is just watch Haley eat, because she's just so happy. So, it makes me happy, because to see her that happy, but... um. So when, when I was in high school, one of my favorite snacks uh, was having uh, Oreos. And, you know, then you put peanut butter on the Oreos, and you ate that with milk. Who's ever had that before? It's kind of a, uh, nobody, just me? Okay, I, I guess I'm weird. So that's, that was one of my favorite snacks in high school. And so I had this routine to so where we I would come back from school, and then uh, I would break open the Oreos, put some peanut butter on there, get, get my whole milk, you know, whole milk is, don't, is the only real milk, amen, everything else is this, you know, fake, uh, I believe that, This everything else is water, you can't convince me of anything else, but so I would get my whole milk, I'd get my Oreos and peanut butter, and I would slab it on, I would sit down, and I, I would watch PTI, uh, which is a, a sports talk, so pardon the interruption, nobody probably knows what I'm talking about, But it's like a sports talk show, and so I watched that and that was my routine, and that was like a 30-minute show, and so, I would watch that, eat that, and afterwards, I would go on about my day, but that's what I would usually do every weekday, and so I remember one day, uh, you know, I'm getting ready to do that routine, and so I'm breaking out the Oreos, I have my peanut butter, but then I reach for the milk, and then I look at the milk, and, you know, I'm looking, at, and I, I open it, and when I open the milk, it, like, smelled sour and bad, I was like, what, what's going on, and I look at the expiration date, and it says it expires for, like, another two weeks, so I was like, okay, this is weird. And so, of course, I gave it the smell test, and still it smelled sour. You know, and it didn't smell good. But let me tell you, I wanted those Oreos and milk, okay? So, that was probably a couple of red flags that I shouldn't have continued. But, anyways, I say, you know what? I'm just gonna test it out. You know, what could it hurt? And so, because I wanted my Oreos and milk, and, and so I poured a glass of milk, and, and, and I remember smelling it. It still didn't do it, but it looked okay, you know? And so I gave it a tiny sip. And to this day, I don't know why I swallowed. Because as soon as I sipped it, I knew right away this is sour, bad milk. But for some reason I swallowed it. And let me tell you something. This from that one, like, I don't know if anybody's ever drank spoiled bad milk before, but this from that one swallow, it messed up my entire week. Like I, I don't know why, like I was in, I was bedwitten and like I couldn't, like I was always nauseated. And so I learned, uh, from that day now on, like, if it smells sour, I don't even mess with it anymore. And to this day, like, I think that was the last time I had those Oreos peanut butter milk because it's now every time I had them, I would think about how I felt. So it just ruined everything for me. Uh, but that made me realize, food. so what happened to the milk, right? I was thinking, well, what happened to that milk? Well, what happened was somebody left it overnight out, and then they put it in the fridge in the morning. And so what happened to that milk is that it became you know, stagnant, it became room temperature, and it became spoiled. And what was supposed to be refreshing to me quickly became repulsive. I think just like how milk can get sour, sometimes our own spirits can, can become sour. And again, bear with me, the stain feels like it's tugging on my ear. I know how I like this. Sometimes our spirits, like, can become sour. I, I, I believe that that was what God, what Jesus was talking about in Revelation 3:16, when He said, "If you are lukewarm, not hot nor cold, I will spit you out." Well, I think God was saying was that if you become room temperature, right? If you can become a place of stagnation, if your spirit becomes stagnant to a point to where you become sour and you can become spoiled, right? He says, "I will, I will spit you out." And so that makes me think of because a lot of people, one. Most questions that I get is, is they say, Caleb, I feel like my, my spirit has become to a place where I, I feel stagnant. I, I, I feel like I, I'm stuck. I, I, I don't feel like I have this connection anymore. I feel like my, my, my spirit is in a place where it shouldn't be. And see, this is, this is what happened with David, the story we just, we just read. See, David's spirit became stagnant. And let me show you how. See, all you have to do is go back six months right? We just read 2 Samuel chapter 11, but if you read 2 Samuel chapter 10, David is at war against the Ammonites, and he is kicking butt. Like, he is, like, destroying everybody. It says that he, uh, it's tugging on my ear again. It says that he, uh, there we go. Can't bear with me. I don't know what I'm doing with my hands right now. It says that he was, like, kicking the Ammonites butt, and so, like, he, it said he slayed, like, close to 50,000 Ammonites, and he's, he's doing his keenly duties. He's, he's slaying all these Ammonites. But see, this is in the, the fall months, right? And so during the, all, all the fall months, right, October, you know, November, he's at war against the Ammonites, and he's leading his, his army. But then all of a sudden, the, 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 then came wintertime. And in wintertime, it was traditional and it was practiced that you did not go at war during the winter because it was cold, uh, it, it, it was, the weather wasn't good. And so what they would do is that they would stop the fighting, and everybody would go back home, and then they would resume in the springtime. So David took his whole army, and, and they all went back to Jerusalem during the winter months. But then it, it said, when the springtime came back, and it said, and when, in verse 1, it said, and when kings go back to war, it said that David stayed in Jerusalem. He stayed in Jerusalem. So while everybody was fighting David's battles, David was in Jerusalem safe and sound and becoming stagnant. So when, when, you, when you become stagnant, you, you start to lose your peace of mind, right? When, when, you, when you reach a, pl- a place spiritually where, where you feel disconnected from God, you begin to lose your peace. And you'll see that uh, David in verse 2, it says that he arose from his bed, right? One evening he arose from his bed, which tells me, right, he was trying to sleep, right? One evening, he was trying to sleep, and he was restless. And I, I could see him, like, rolling in his bed, knowing that he's avoiding keenly responsibilities because he's supposed to be leading his army in battle, but yet he's safe and sound at home in bed, trying to get some sleep. But instead of David falling to his knees at that moment and realizing that he needs to repent, instead of falling to his knees to pray, he goes to the roof to walk around. And on that rooftop is when he sees Bathsheba, taking a bath, which I think is ironic. Bathsheba, bath, I don't know, Bathsheba. Pretty ironic if you don't, you know. But here's the thing. When, when your spirit becomes stagnant, this is, what, this is what David found out, is that when your spirit becomes stagnant, you become stupid. You can write that down, right? When your spirit becomes stagnant, you become stupid because there was all these red flags. Not only was Bathsheba married, and not only did, did David kill and have David's, uh, or not, uh, have Bathsheba's husband murdered, but Bathsheba's uh, father, his name was Eliam, and he was one of David's right-hand men, right? And he was a mighty warrior. And not only that, Bathsheba's grandfather, his name was um, Erethophel, and he was one of David's chiefs' counselors. So there's all these red flags of saying, do not mess with Bathsheba, right? There's too many things, right, that could go wrong if you do wrong by Bathsheba, but David ignored it. He ignored all of those red flags because when your spirit becomes stagnant, you become stupid. You'll see spiritual stagnation invites temptation, right? Spiritual stagnation invites temptation because if we look, it's what happened to David is similar to what happened to Joseph, except it's kind of flipped. See, when Joseph was tempted by Potiphar's wife, right? Potiphar's wife, uh, you know, threw herself on Joseph and, and tried to make him sleep with her. But w- but what did Joseph do? He fled from that temptation. He said that he ran away. But w- what did David do? He he saw Bathsheba and he said, "Hey, go get her and bring her closer to me." You see, when you have spiritual stagnant, you invite temptation. And David was inviting temptation to him. But when you look at what Jace, Joseph was doing and what David was doing, when, when Joseph was tempted, jo, jo, Joseph was busy at work. He, he, he was working in Potiphar's house. He was doing his responsibilities. And so when that temptation came, he just avoided it. But when temptation came toward David, David was avoiding his responsibilities, and he was looking for something to take up his time. He, he couldn't even fall asleep at night. He was so bored. And, and, and so he entertained that temptation of Bathsheba. Well, Lord, we, we, everybody in this room, right? we are all susceptible of spiritual stagnation. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian. It doesn't matter... Um, how much you've prayed—we're uh, all susceptible of becoming stagnant spiritually. See, what what I admire about Pastor Bobby is that he's a phenomenal communicator and he's a phenomenal leader. But there's one thing I know about Pastor Bobby is that he is a man of prayer. If you know Pastor Bobby, you know that he's a man of prayer. See, when when we come in the mornings to pray, Pastor Bobby—he's praying. And then sometimes when I come to the church and to, to do some office work, I, I hear Pastor Bobby, he's praying in a nursery or in a legacy. Or, or sometimes when I'm, I'm, I'm at their house, I'm visiting him, I hear Pastor Bobby praying somewhere. You see, it, it inspires me because of all the things that Pastor Bobby, right, he's a pastor, of all the things that he's accomplished and seen and learned, he is still not satisfied. He is still not satisfied. Because something, when you have a satisfied spirit, that quickly becomes a stagnant spirit. I never want to get to a point where I'm satisfied where I'm at spiritually. Because the moment where you're satisfied where you're at spiritually is the moment where stagnation comes. So I don't know about you, but I never want to reach a place where I say, God, I've had enough of you. Or God, I've reached a point where I don't need to grow anymore. Because as soon as you do that, that's when you welcome in stagnation in your life. Can I get an amen? Amen. So see we are all susceptible. We're all susceptible to stagnation. And David, why why he, he found himself with all these problems and with all these troubles is because that he got stagnant spiritually and he didn't get out of that stagnation. He stayed there. So there's some signs of stagnation. There's some signs of stagnation. And I want us to look at this so we can So we can realize and have the self-awareness to say, okay, Caleb, you're you're telling me the dangers of stagnation. You're telling me the dangers of when my spirit comes stagnant. What are some signs that maybe my spirit has become stagnant? The first sign is insecure. It's insecure. You see, we find our security, right, or we find our confidence in security, right? That's what insecure means, right? Lack of security. And so so what people do is that they don't know that only true security comes from God. Only true security comes from God. You will never feel that peace unless it comes from God. So when people don't find it from God, where do they go? They go to other people to find security. But the only thing about that is that people are not perfect, but God is perfect. And so they always seem to, to to put their trust in people and they they try to find their security from people and they quickly realize is that people aren't perfect and so they feel insecure. And so people go for, from from relationship to relationship, and you see people are constantly being offended and thinking something's wrong with them. But the whole reason why is that they're trying to feel a God-sized hole with people. And so if there if there's a sign of stagnation, is is it's insecure. Because if you're if if you are not Stagnant spiritually, you are secure with God. You're knowing that your security comes from God. It doesn't matter what people say. Amen. I'm secure in God. And so if there's a sign, because David, he, he started to become insecure. He, 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 he looked and, and he was restless at night. And, and instead of praying to God, he, he was looking for things to fill his time. And, and eventually that will always lead you down the wrong path. And that led him to Bathsheba. And even though there was all these red flags, he ignored them. Right, because he was becoming stagnant spiritually. So the, so the first sign that we got to look at is for signs of stagnation, it's insecure. The second sign of, sa- of, the, of signs of stagnation is insensitive. Insensitive. You see, David did not care who he hurt when he slept with Bathsheba. He did not care who he hurt. But here's the thing. Not only did he hurt people... But he killed a number of people because of that decision. Not only was Bathsheba's husband mm. murdered by his hand, but that first child that Bathsheba had died because of his decision to do that. And not only that, not only did he offend Bathsheba's father and her grandfather, that, that Bathsheba's gr- grandfather, we talked about him, Eleopath, who was one of his, uh, instructors, he he never forgave David for what he did, and eventually he inspired a revolution against him. You see, David had no no sensitivity. He he didn't had no cares of what he was doing. You see, when you become spiritually stagnant, it's not that you lose your your. It's not that you don't care, but you lose your compassion. See, when you become spiritually stagnant, you lose your compassion, and when you when you lose your compassion. You start to make decisions like how David were making them, and he was thinking about nobody else but himself. You cannot be compassionate and be spiritually stagnant. right? The Holy Spirit has to be with you to give you that compassion, to make those decisions that aren't about you, but they're about everybody around you. And so David had no sensitivity towards others, and he made decisions that not only hurt his loved ones, but hurt people who had had nothing to do with his decision. The second sign of stagnation is insensitive. And the third sign of stagnation is indiscipline. Indiscipline. I mean, David knew, right, it was wrong to murder. David knew that. David knew that it was wrong uh, to commit adultery. He knew that. He David knew it was wrong to lie. David knew all these things, but yet he didn't do them, right? Yet he didn't follow his own convictions. See, when you are stagnant spiritually, you lose your character. You lose your character, and you make decisions that you thought you would never make, all because what's on the inside of you is disconnected from the source that God wants you to be. Is so that what happens when, you, when you're stagnant, when you're spiritually stagnant, you make decisions outside of your character. And David, who God called, right, who, who we call the man after God's own heart, was making decisions that did not reflect that, right? He became spiritually stagnant, and that caused him to make decisions that hurt people around him. He hurt his his kingdom, and they were hurting from his decisions from Bathsheba for years. So now we're, we look like in scripture in Jeremiah seventeen seven through eight. Jeremiah seventeen seven through eight, and I want to read this. It says, "But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence, confidence is in Him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when he comes." Its leaves are always green and has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. You see, if there's one thing I know about rivers, is that rivers are constantly flowing, right? They're always moving. Rivers are always moving. So we serve a God of always moving. We don't serve a God of the mundane. Amen. We serve a God who's constantly on the move. We don't serve a God who's always in the comfort zone. We serve a God who's always moving. And see, the Holy Spirit, right, who's supposed to be rivers of living water on the inside of us, the Holy Spirit is always moving. See, stagnation occurs when you separate yourself from the source. Stagnation occurs when you separate yourself from the source. That's point number one. You see, the rivers of living water stop flowing through you, when, when when that stops happening, and it's said into your mind that we're supposed to plant ourselves by the rivers of living water, so when we separate ourselves from that, right, and we become, uh, and we separate, and we become a stagnant body of water, what do we become? We become a puddle, and what's a puddle, right? Stagnant water, right? Stagnant, we become, become a puddle, but I believe that we always should be moving, right? That's what, that's what God wants us to do. We should always be improving, right? We should always be uh, believing for more, stepping up our faith. We should always, he said he called us to carry our cross daily. I believe that we always should be improving on what God has on the inside of us. I do think there are times that when we're, we're supposed to wait on the Lord, right? There are times we're supposed to wait on the Lord, but there's a difference between waiting on the Lord and being stagnant. See, When, when, when you're waiting on the Lord, you're, you're, you're preparing for the next place. But when you're being stagnant, you're, you're staying in the same place. You see, there's a difference. There's a difference. And so we're supposed to plant ourselves by these, these rivers of living water, right? That's what Jeremiah 17 tells us. But it seems that if we separate ourselves, we become stagnant, right? We become stagnant. And when we become stagnant, we become a, a puddle. What does a, a puddle look like? What, what's wrong with it? See, you can always, right, it, it's usually safe if you see a running river, that you can drink from it, right? Usually when you see it, you you can drink from it, and usually it's safe. But have you ever looked at a nasty puddle and think, mm, that looks refreshing? Have you ever thought that? No, it's nasty. It's discolored. It has all this bacteria. It has all this fungus. And I, I think that reflects spiritually of what happens to us when we separate ourselves from the Holy Spirit. Right? And, we, and we say, hey, you know what, I know the Holy Spirit's always moving and taking us places, but I, I feel like I've had enough, so I'm going a, I'm to a disconnect myself. And as soon as we do that, we become stagnant Christians. And we stay in the same place. And although God is trying to say, hey, hey, come this way, hey, I need you to do this, I, I want you to go talk to this person, and we say, no, I'm good, and I'm staying in the same place, and we become stagnant. And what happens when we become stagnant? All right? we, we invite all this bacteria of life. We, we invite the viruses of life. See, when you become a stagnant Christian, you invite strongholds in your your life. Just like a puddle has all the bacteria and has all the virus and has all the parasites, when you become a stagnant Christian, you you invite pride into your life. You, You invite bitterness and unforgiveness. You invite the viruses that the enemy tries to download in you. But that happens when you're stagnant. But here's the thing, when you're connected to the rivers of water, right, and you're and you're moving and you're flowing with the Holy Spirit, right? You're you're able to shake off those strongholds, but as soon as you become stagnant, as soon as you as you did what David did and he became stagnant, that's when the enemy starts to convince you of things that aren't true. But here's the thing about about stagnation, spiritually stagnation doesn't happen all at once, right? If if it were, it'd be easy to avoid it. It'd be easy to to, to you know be praying every day and all of a sudden you miss one day of prayer and. You know, you're you're you get in a car wreck, and then you get fired from your job. Like, oh wait, okay, I need to go back to praying, right? It'd be it'd be easy if, if it happened that quickly, but but stagnation doesn't happen uh, suddenly. It happens slowly, right? It, it's not the the second time or the second week of missing church that makes you stagnant. It's it's the it's the second month in a row, right? It, it's not the the fourth day in a row with, without praying, it, it's the fourth week in a row without praying, that all of a sudden you, you can start to sense yourself. And the reason why it happens and the enemy tries to, to make it happen to you slowly is so you don't realize what's going on. And then before you know it, you're saying, where am I, right? Before you know it, you're, you're, you're like David, and it says, he all of a sudden one day, he said, how did all this happen? How did all this chaos happen in my life? How, how did all these things, how did I make these decisions that I promised to myself I would never make? How did this happen? And you realize it's because slowly you start to become stagnant in your life, and, and things start to, to be in the same place, and you and you stop trying to pursue right being better, but you st- you stayed in the same place. And now what happens is that the enemy tries to convince us right when we're stagnant, and, and it seems as though when we've missed a, a month of church or 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 two months without going to church, the enemy tries to convince you, hey, don't even go back, right? Don't don't even bother going back. You've, You've missed two months in a row. If you even Don't even bother going back because I bet you if you go back, they wouldn't even welcome you back. Or, or the enemy tries to convince you, saying, hey, uh, you, you haven't prayed in a week now. You, you might as well not even pray today be, be, because, you know, what's the use? You can never go back to where you were, right? And all of a sudden, we get to this place where we have a generation of stagnant Christians, right? We get We get to this place where these people, they are stuck. And they think they're going to be stuck forever because the enemy has convinced them, hey, you, you were on fire for God at one time, but now you've become stagnant and you'll never go back to the way things were. And, and the enemy will try to convince us that, that we're stuck, that we're stagnant, and that this isn't something that's just a season, but the enemy will try to convince us that this is forever. And we shouldn't even attempt trying to go back to the way the wings were, or we shouldn't even attempt to go out all out for God, because look at where you're at, right? I'm sure the enemy was telling David, he's saying, oh, "Look, David, you David, you're the king right, over Israel, but look at where you're at. You committed adultery. You committed murder, right? You betrayed your friends. You betrayed people who are close to you. You shouldn't even attempt of making things right, right? You shouldn't even attempt of trying to, to go on your hands and knees and pray before God because look at all what you did wrong, right? And the enemy tries to convince us this of ourselves, and, and so, this, so we're left with a generation of people who, who feel stagnant but think that's how it's supposed to be. Right, who, who feel stagnant, but they think how this is how life is supposed to be, and they never realize that we're meant to have power on the inside of us. Yeah. Amen? And, and so the, the, the enemy has tricked so many people in thinking that living a stagnant life is, is being a Christian, but that's not being a Christian, a follower of Jesus. I don't know about you, but, but when I follow after Jesus, I feel propelled to change. Right? When I follow after Jesus, I feel like I need to pray more, I feel like when I'm falling after Jesus, I feel like I need to take one step after another closer and closer to Jesus. I, I never think that being in the same place is where I should stay. And that's why I say how, what I admire about Pastor Bobby is that I look at him and all the things that he's done and accomplished, and he's probably preached a thousand messages, you know, but yet he's not satisfied. I think that's what happened right, with a generation that gets stuck in stagnation is that we become satisfied, right? We say, you know, I'll come to church once a month, and I'll pray once a week. And, and, you know, every once in a while, I'll really worship. And they get in this place, and Amy tries to convince them, yeah, that's where you're supposed to be. And then we get stagnant, and we think that's the norm, and that's how it should be. But that's not how it should be. But let me encourage you. David came with a revelation, and I want to share this with y'all, and, and this is where I'm going to close. In, in Psalms 40, this is David's words. He said, in Psalms 40, verse 1. It said, I waited patiently for the Lord. He, He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see the fear of the Lord and put their trust in Him. Come on, let's give that a hand clap and a shout of praise. See, what David realized is that the cure to stagnation is saturation. The cure to stagnation is saturation. Because what the enemy tries to convince you, and as I'm closing, what the enemy tries to convince you is this, is that you will never be able to get out of that stagnant state. So you, you will never be able to get out of it. David will try to say, "Yeah, I, you feel disconnected from God. Guess what? You will never be connected again, like how you would." And he would try to—he tries to convince us that stagnancy is normalcy. But what David realized he says, "All it takes is one touch from God. All it takes is one time where I saturate my soul with His presence, and all of a sudden, what was once stagnant, now I'm connected to the Source again." Amen. Amen. Sometimes it can be. Be like a woman who just committed adultery. And, and she's thrown into the middle of the town, and people are ready to stone her. Her accusers are ready to stone her, right? And all of a sudden, this man named Jesus comes up, and he starts riding in the sand. And he says, Those who have never sinned, cast the first stone. And one by one, starting from the oldest to the youngest, they dropped their stones. Until so it was just the, the woman, the adulterous woman, and Jesus left. And then Jesus turned to the adulterous woman and said, Where are your accusers? Right? Where are your accusers? Where are they gone? He said, they, they left. He says, yes. And Jesus said, now go. Your sins are forgiven and sin no more. One touch from God. This woman was caught in adultery where you should be dead. right? That was the law of the time. If you're caught in adultery, it, it was law for them to stone you and kill you. One touch from God, one moment from God, what was stagnant, what was dead, what what was meant to end, one touch from God all of a sudden, right? One moment of saturation, what was stagnant now is connected with the source again. Amen. Will you stand with me? Stand with me tonight. See, it doesn't matter how long you have been stagnant, it doesn't matter how long you feel like you've been disconnected from the Holy Spirit. It doesn't matter how how long you think that you've been on the the course away from Jesus. All it takes is one moment of saturation to turn everything around. It's that one moment. You see, what what David realized is that the breakthrough is not from people. The breakthrough is inside of you. That moment that you need, that that, that place that you need to reach, the person who you need to know, he's, he's speaking on the inside of you right now. And it doesn't matter how how long you feel stuck, it doesn't matter how much the enemy has tried to convince you to stay down forever, because if there's one thing I know is the enemy will try to lie to us and lie to us and keep us in the corner and won't let us come out until we get up and say, you know what, I want to take a chance on God. I want to take a chance to say, you know what, even if it's just for one moment, I want to take a chance and give God my all. You see, if there's one thing that the enemy is afraid of, it's Christians who aren't afraid to give their all to Jesus. Amen. So the enemy will try to put you in a corner, but the moment we say, you know what, I'm just giving my all to Jesus right now, and you say, and you cry out to Jesus, you say, Jesus, saturate my soul, saturate my spirit, cleanse whatever needs to be cleansed, take away whatever needs to be taken away, and just like that, in a moment, right, Right? in a moment, in the blink of the eye, what was lost, what was dead, what you thought was over, Jesus can here right jesus can revive thank you for listening to the covenant life center podcast if you enjoyed today's message then subscribe and follow us on social media at clc victoria connect with us by visiting our website clc